Welcome all, and thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast, where we talk all things soccer in the DMV. My name is Jose Omania, sports writer for the Sports Pulse, and joining me, as always, is our co-host, Mario Maya from El Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm still talking to those people, so we may not have a movie about this podcast. It may be a TV series starring Gabriel Iglesias and Rico Rodriguez, a.k.a. Manny Delgado from Family, from Modern Family. Keep dreaming big. That's all you do is dream big. <laughs> Anywho, we have no time to joke around as there were breaking news literally hours before we began this podcast and still somewhat transpiring. Major League Soccer is back. Uh, the Players Union and the Woo! league have, a, have agreed to a new CBA as and ratifying it as well as agreeing to finally approve a deal to have players come back in this tournament down in Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Before we get into the specifics of the whole deal, what's to come, things of that nature, Mario, what is your thoughts and immediate reaction to this news that finally broke? Finally, they come to an agreement. That was my first reaction to when the story broke. Uh, I think like most people that cover MLS and most MLS fans, you were kind of on pins and needles to see what was going to go down between the league and the Players Association regarding this CBA. And honestly, it's just one of those things that kind of caught you off guard when everything seemed to be going in one direction. They throw you with a lovely curveball saying, not so fast. Yeah, a little bit to what you're mentioning and you're talking about the curveball uh, began on Sunday night, close to about 10 o'clock, when uh, ESPN's Hercules Gomez reported that the league was prepared to lock out players over a proposed clause. Now, the team, the league and the Players Association have been going back and forth in terms of the Florida tournament. The players really wanted the owners to ratify a CBA agreement that both the league and the players association had agreed to back in February before the lockout. This transpired. It looked like everything was going according to plan before Sunday night. United, DC United, had returned back to, from to voluntary workouts at Segra, uh, thanks to Governor Ralph Northam uh, re- allowing the opening of the facility. But then Hercules Gomez dropped the nuclear bomb that the league had proposed a a force mature where they still where basically if the league cannot perform its duties with the players they have to either garnish wages or start doing uh pay cuts to the players because the league wouldn't be able to have games played this is normally for unforeseen circumstances however the league tried to do it as yeah, one of those circumstances has to be if attendance drops 25% or more for five teams. And that they didn't want to just cut players' wages. They wanted to throw out the CBA. Now, I don't know about you, Mario. We've been living in a world of the coronavirus. I don't see people coming back to stadiums so soon. But according to ESPN's uh, Jeff Carlisle, confirming the report, owners were worried that a second wave of the coronavirus could impact a return to MLS. Don Garber, after today's confirmation 
of the deal confirmed as such, saying that he was the one that proposed the lockout and that it was a, a decision that he, quote, didn't find it that was unimaginably difficult. It was emotional, unquote. Talked about how this is part of negotiations at the same time, didn't feel that it was going anywhere and that it was going to be the first time in 26 years that any talks of a lockout was even conceived. Mario, what are your thoughts on getting to these final steps to an agreement and the fact that the owners were willing to lock out the players and that Don Garber, normally seen as a fair commissioner, just dropped this nuclear bomb on the weekend and gave the players a Tuesday deadline to agree or be locked out? So we've discussed this numerous times on this podcast. Yeah, there's a good possibility fans ain't coming back for the rest of the season. So that 25, so five or more teams with 25% lower in attendance rate is something that was, that be honest here, kind of asinine in Don, Garber, Don Garber's part. What I am surprised is that Don Garber would lose his cool. Usually he seems so calm and composed in these situations, would lose his cool this late in the ball game when it comes to when it comes to these kind of CBA agreements with the players and it pretty much just sent set MLS for a curve because it just kind of sent them scrambling to come up with a to come up with a compromise and that's something when you agree when you talk about how they were going to return in the month of in this month actually or in the early parts of July that's kind of one of those curveballs that no one's seen co- coming and hat and pretty much left you in the left you with an uncertainty. And that's something that's not good for anybody, especially in these kinds of uh, in these kinds of talks. I think it was a Hail, a Hail Mary attempt to get back some of the things that was folk over during the original CBA. And like Garber said, he, he had to do it because he works for the owners at the end of the day to business. He works for the owners, so if if the players aren't agreeing, you know we 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 make we're not calling out Alejandro Bedoya for his comments, calling it a luxury prison. But when there are reports coming out the following day, players stop showing up to practice, players stop showing up to workouts, players saying they're not even involved in the information being released from the Orlando tournament that the league originally proposed a 50% pay cut versus what would have been originally the, the max 25 when it was just when the when ownership is not only taking 25 and league executives are only taking 25 the players are being told you have to take 50 it's those kind of things that then start coming out if don's being upset and, and you know negotiations are weird you know i don't know if you ever had to negotiate contracts or things like that but i have and there's a lot of questions and sometimes it's back and forth and so you have to there's some give and take and i think that right and uh franco ponzio said this best and i think don garber stated it on his uh stated earlier today he said that mls would have been taking a 1 billion dollar revenue hit yeah. Uh, if, uh, they are if they didn't come one. to an agreement. No, no, they are due to the coronavirus. That's unrelated. It's unrelated. So right. the league is taking a $1 billion hit because of the coronavirus. And so they had to come back. But Don pulled out this 
magical wave of let's lock out the players to get what we want. Hey, this is part of the MB. This Hail Mary attempt just feels like it feels like pandering to the owners, to, to the outside person. Now we'll get to Don's comments in a second, but it feels like pandering to the owners that maybe some owners feel like they didn't get what they wanted out of the CBA that was originally agreed upon. And they were trying to make sure, Hey, if this pandemic gets worse, we'll be fine because we'll get, you know, we'll get money back or we'll cancel the CBA if, and we'll make it based on attendance, you know, but like you said, not everything is going to be normal again by the time that fans are going to be allowed in. There's going to be restriction of how many people are going to be allowed in each venue and where people can sit and things of that nature. I have to assume that revenues are down in terms of jersey sales and things of that nature because nobody's going out buying jerseys. Nobody's out going to team stores or buying online because they're more fearful about can they get the next paycheck and feed themselves so the owners are looking at it as we want to make sure we get our money and that you know if we don't if we can't play that we don't have to pay these players but it's a bit cynical it's a bit messed up and overall it was they overplayed their hand at the end of the day they overplayed their hand now on tuesday league and the players association went back they spoke According to Hercules Gomez, the force overture was reversed. It went back to, you know, we're going to focus on unsuspecting circumstances and we're going to garnish wages first before we call off the CBA. And it's not going to be tied to any attendance. The league approved that new deal. The players went to their constituents. And then overnight, all the players in their markets uh, agreed by simple majority to the new deal here's what's been approved like i said earlier there have been an increased form of free agency agreed on in the cba um more charter flights increased player spending so here's some of the information salary increases will be delayed a year so it will take effect in 2022 and then push back to 2023, and whatever the gradual increases will continue from there. Players will take a 5% play cut start uh, for this year. Media rights will continue in its 12.5% rate all the way through 2013, 2023, excuse me, but then go up to 25%, so more player money for the players. And that's the basics of, and like I said earlier, the force overture clause is back to just garnishing players' wages and not tied to attendance. Mario, what are, you're seeing some of Don Garber's thoughts. What are some of your thoughts about some of his thoughts before I go through the majority of them? But what are your thoughts on what was agreed upon to get us back onto the field and as well as some of what Don Garber said at this open press conference after the agreement was confirmed? I think for the most part he recognized that his attempt at a Hail Mary, Hail Mary was a total and utter disaster. So I, I feel like he, in, in his own words, he was like, okay, I'm good. I'm pretty much not being be reasonable. And like you said, negotiations are a weird thing. So he probably just was like, you know what? Let me go back to the players and go and go find a healthy middle ground with all of this. 
and get the league back up and running. Yeah, he kind of, he kind of mentioned that it was important for the league to be back. And I think to that notion, I think it was unrealistic to put that towards attendance as a forced overture. Even if owners are concerned, you can't have it based on attendance. That's just not fair. Uh, for fans, that you're putting pressure on fans, you're putting pressure on on everyone, really, um, to have fans back right. at the venue. It's also, mm-hmm. Right. It's also not fans' fault for what's going on because this is something that, like I said, it's a pandemic. This is something that's way out of your way out of your hands at this point. So it's not – it's nobody's fault in particular – but it's kind of messed up that you put this kind of pressure on fans and try to get them back into venues, knowing that that's something that's really not going to happen for a while. Right. And the fans won't feel it right away. But if, if I, luckily the league should be happy that the, the players association didn't tell fans, Hey, spread the message. That they, if we, if you don't come back, they'll stop the league again. Like, I could have totally seen a different type of players association say, hey, put this out there, Um, especially after Herc reported it. I think that that was enough for a lot of fans to look at the league and its owners as very cynical and, and, and trying to take some money back at a time when everybody is in the same playing field in terms of money. But Don Garber was on a, on a media call this uh, afternoon, talking about the league's future, talking about p- returning to play at home venues. It will all depend on th- what the states decide to do and what health experts decide. Garber said it was a monumental task, uh, but that it's generally accepted that we may end up playing the whole season without fans. Uh, the tournament. Details are still being finalized. The basics that we know about this magical tournament at Magical Disney, a maximum of 35 games, no more than no more than six weeks at Orlando. That's two weeks less than the number floated around. The big thing to come out of it um, was, A, the league promising to pay for all coronavirus testing, and B, um, the other keynote is that teams will be allowed to come in uh, as early or as late as possible. Players will be allowed to, depending on their individual circumstance, to stay at home or special situations, to stay at home and come and leave Orlando. But that will be discussed within the league. Otherwise, players are required to go to Orlando. Uh, Preparations for the tournament will begin on June 24th with players beginning a two-week training camp and then the six-week tournament, which will conclude with a knockout round. What are your thoughts on the tournament itself, Mario? And we're going to get this magical Disney tournament. Um, I've already said, and the league said they're open to suggestions. I've already said they should play at three stadiums to keep it safety and so you can get all the games done. But we'll see. It looks like they want to keep it at Disney, but what are your thoughts on what's being proposed and what may end up coming from this Disney tournament? Uh, just like you, I also propose that they should play it at multiple venues. Orlando's a big enough city. They have multiple venues, not only just Disney World. They also have Camping World Stadium. They have Orlando Stadium, and they have the University of Central Florida right there. 
you're able to s- expand these games altogether. Now, with everything that they came up with, uh, it's a start. I think one of the other things that they can do to propose a player to have players safe, player safety in, ha- in mind is this is also a resort town. You could have them lodge in multiple hotels, maybe an Airbnb, like uh, like the NWSL is doing with their with, with their tournament. You know I, that, I, that I'm trying to imagine like a DC United team that's under roster that going with their under roster to live in some Airbnb mansion <laughs> because they're so cheap. <laughs> but uh, but uh, that's fair. Multiple hotel sites is fine. I do agree with that. Yeah, I mean, you can't have them all in one hotel. That's kind of counterproductive at these moments in times with the with COVID nineteen. So if you do want to promote uh, social distancing, that's one of the best way best routes to go. Will right. MLS actually will MLS actually compromise to this? That's the million dollar question. But it's more of a suggestion. I think them paying for testing that's fine because. I feel like it's a moral obligation to have to have players tested and come out of your pockets than saying players paying out of their own pockets to get uh, to get the testing that they need prior to this tournament. Right, and I I think that MLS is taking a page out of UFC's book. They're going and they haven't laid out their testing protocol, but from what I understand, you get the test before you you go in. Protocol, which is you get a test before you get a test when you arrive. You get a test every other day. Uh, before practice, they check your temperature. After practice, they check your temperature. And right before game day, enough time that you know they can get results in case anything that comes out, you'll be tested again. And you would also be tested a game day. And I just think it, you know they're gonna need a lot of tests. There are more tests than before now readily available. And it will be the league's decision to make sure that, obviously, they're going to pay for these tests, that players don't use tests that need to be available for the public. I think that those tests need to remain available for the public. And that if they're going to pay for these tests, to remind players, hey, we can test you. Don't get free testing from, like, you know. If I see Bill Hamid at Six Flags America getting a test, that may be a problem. <laughs> Not because he's trying to figure out if he has coronavirus, <laughs> but that the league has already promised that they're going to pay for his test. Um, other notes. Yeah, that would be counterintuitive. Yeah. Other notes from this Don Garver presser. He said that, quote, the league's absence from the sports scene was the really crucial in getting it back in there. Uh, the president of MLS, Mark Abbott, stressed that the league needs to be completed. One idea being floated out, and this was by the um, Columbus Dispatch, is MLS is thinking of a possible 18-game regular season, nine home, nine away in home markets without fans. Um, this, well, oh, While that may be also why they want to finish the league, that the MLS Cup Final may be played in December or even early January of 2021. This is what Don Garber said. Mario mentioned it. MLS will be taking a billion-dollar revenue hit due to the pandemic. Wouldn't get specifics, but loss to the points of game day revenue, advertising revenue, as well as spending 
on players. What are your thoughts on the final bits of Garber's comments? And it's well, you know, no one saw the pandemic coming, but being this forthright in terms of we may end up playing the season without fans in attendance. That's, I mean, again, it's weird when you talk about we're not going to play with any fans whatsoever. Uh, but you know, Germany's doing it without. And that, that's something to look, that's for sort of an example. Now that we've already discussed it, it's going to be a pot. It's not a possibility. It is most likely what's going to happen. It, it'll be interesting, but if they do go out, if the Finnish league does end up finishing in December and an MLS cup is played in a neutral site, may I propose that we play the MLS cup in Foxborough? Like they did the first MLS Cup ever in 1996, it would be like this weird fitting end to the tw- to the 25th season of MLS, even though it's shaping up to be one of the most interesting, if not one of those seasons where you didn't see a lot of things coming. But you got to deal with the circumstances altogether. Yeah, I'm fine with the nine home, nine away. If it's within the conference, um, it sounds to me like this Orlando tournament, maybe mixing the East with the West, which is fine with me. Um, if we can't, let's say the East Coast team can't go to the West Coast after this is said and done, just for safety reasons. In terms of the league losing a billion dollars, guess what? If these owners saying that they're going to lose a billion, uh, joining together with the league close to a billion dollars of revenue, you're going to get back in terms of not having to pay game day staff. And I think at the end of the day, the the owners lose money, but, but people are also affected. They don't get to work. They don't get to, you know, for some, don't get to watch their favorite team in person. You know, there's a lot of people and a lot of players will attest to this, that they see on a day-to-day basis that they build these relationships with these people, especially on game day. And so to not have a crowd is going to be weird for these players. But if they have to do this in order to just get this this season done, see what happens in the fall in terms of the pandemic, and get restarted for 2021, I'm fine with it uh, as long as it maintains player safety. Um, in terms of the billion-dollar revenue, they're getting two more ex- extra franchises. They're calling. They're telling them they have to pay close to million in in expansion fees, the league will be fine. The league will be fine. Oh, absolutely. But me personally, it's more of a call to fans. All right, you guys, and this is American soccer in general for me. You say you support the sport. MLS is coming back. NWSL is coming back. Support the product. I don't care if you're, I'm a La Liga fan or an EPL fan or whatever. Support the product. At the end of the day, support the product because it's more than just these players are going to get paid. Hopefully, if the, when this subsides, we'll all be able to go watch soccer again. More for people to come back and get some work again. That's my thing. How do we support the league continuing, us watching the games, us improving ratings, us being a part of a solution and watching these games and also encouraging others to watch? Don't just sit back and just say, oh, I support this league. Well, there's that league game playing right now. By the time MLS is scheduled to come back, 
if they go through this and get this done, which is going to be hard at this point, you got the biggest part done in getting the players back on the field, setting up a tournament to last six weeks. FIFA does it every four years, and really it's just rolling the balls together. It's not hard. Come up with a tournament, get it done, secure some extra venues just in case, have backup plans. Otherwise, this shouldn't be hard. Once you get the season started and done, people should all join together and watch some MLS just so that the when that broadcasting rights deal comes back, more money will go back in the owner's pockets and could be spent on bringing back your favorite popcorn guy, your favorite beer guy, security, or whatever, when you return back to the venue uh, in the near future. Your team, your team store staff as well. Exactly. But, um... Yeah, that's everything in terms of MLS coming back. Hopefully, you know, we get some good soccer in the upcoming future because right now the world is in a bit of a in a bit of a wild world adventure in the past couple of weeks since the death of George Floyd in Minnesota after a police officer placed his knee around his neck for over 8 minutes. There have been protests worldwide about this um, this murder um, this and the officers being charged with now been upgraded to a charge of second degree murder and the soccer world's been talking about it Weston McKinney uh, USMT midfielder wore an armband saying justice for George Floyd during his Bundesliga game over the weekend um you know, we had multiple MLS players and USMT players also speak out. You know, Mario, what are your thoughts on how the soccer world reacted to this uh, death as well of an African-American male by the hands of police, as well as what are your over thoughts, overall thoughts on what happened and how everyone has responded to it? I think overall thoughts, this is one of those things that, that shouldn't be happening, but unfortunately, it has continued to happen in the United States. And so for me, overall, it was just anger because there was no need to do that to George Floyd whatsoever. The man was uh, the man was saying for about nine minutes, I can't breathe. And the officer that's now being charged with second degree mur- murder had had his knee on his neck. That's unnecessary. So you understand why everybody's angry and you have all the protests going on because it's one of those things that shouldn't be happening. But unfortunately, it does. While this response to the soccer world, I think for the most part, it's been good. I like the way that I like uh, Weston McKenney writing justice for George Floyd. Same as Jaden Sancho, one of his Borussia Dortmund uh, play teammates have it taking off their, jer- their jerseys and having their undershirts saying uh, the same thing, justice for George Floyd. So they're using their platforms, whether it's get during games. Also, uh, Turan for, Mulche- for Borussia Mönchengladbach celebrated by just having, by putting his knee down. And so it's people or people would say in certain circumstances, Hey, what do you know? I'm like, it's one of those uncomfortable subjects that people don't want to talk about, but should be talked about. And these players are using their platforms 
to bring awareness to the uh, to the situation. Whether it's writing jo- justice for George Floyd on their shirt, underneath their jerseys, or on their armbands, or having or having their say on social media, it's bringing a they they did a good job at just bringing awareness to the situation and how they felt about about uh, George Floyd's death. Yeah, and I think that the leagues were proactive in saying we're not going to punish these players for their form of protests. I just thought it was smarter. It just come, you know, apparently in the Bundesliga you could get suspended for celebrating with your shirt off. Didn't know that. But they they decided not to suspend Sancho because at the end of the day, it was a worldwide protest on what many see as, and myself included, as unjust murder. You know, a man died while asking for air to breathe and screaming for his mother while someone rested their knee on, on his neck. And it basically choked the man out. That's a choke. And so... You know, I don't want to relitigate the case, but that I support all these protests, especially the majority of them have been peaceful. Um, right. It goes without saying. Like, it goes without saying. Like, most of the protests have been peaceful. And pretty much they're, I mean, I'm also supporting those that are protesting. And I do support uh, justice to be done for George Floyd because, again, this isn't a new topic that is happened in the United States. I think this, uh, discrimination and racism in the United States, unfortunately, has gone hand in hand with the history of this country. Mm. So it just pretty much having everybody have a stand, have a say, that, that, that's something that's really important. And every, almost every team in the MLS say, uh, wrote a message saying, uh, pretty much supporting ev- everything that's going on with um, everything that's going on and supporting those that are pro- that are uh, wanting to raise awareness in George Flo- in George Floyd's death. Yeah, DC United participated in Blackout Tuesday and and it's also released a statement. You know, in the NWSL, almost every team universally, I think every team universally joined in. Bill Hamid, we back on DC United, we kind of discussed this at the beginning of the season, but on the podcast was just, you know, privately, he had become slowly a vocal person on social media and you really showed um, during this whole conversation and protest, you know, siding with the protest, giving his opinions. I really like that, you know, voicing his support for DC statehood um, and also his pushback uh, against the president. And what he he ended up doing here locally, where there was a peaceful protest going on and using the military and federal police to spray uh, pepper spray on peaceful protests just so he can do this. Have photo, a photo op. Essentially, in front of the church that was uh, damaged because of protesters and other rioters and looters, because they're being mixed in. But again, sticking to this topic, you know, Bill Hamid, I've, you know, he's been out there very vocal. Uh, it's been great to see a pl- player in DC United who's also been very vocal in terms of statehood and having the city have its own representation and own control. You know, Trump had said, oh, I can take over DC. And the mayor said, that's unfortunate. 
Because at the end of the day, you're playing with a lot of people's lives just because you're the president. You have this power. And so it was good to see Bill Hamid, you know, come out here and get what he believes is unjust uh, actions done by the president and also supporting people to go out to vote. Sometimes there's just these little things that after these protests that need to continue. And one of those things is pushing people to vote. If you're not liking what going on go vote and i felt that that was something that that message by bill was very it was very eminent you know we saw rosa val one of the other things that's going to need to continue going forward is one understanding one's privilege you know as a media member i understand my privilege in going past the the curfew but a lot of these protesters they almost got arrested because of this curfew you know rosa val right rosa val mentioned her privilege as a white woman and that she had, you know, as a white athlete, she's allowed to be quiet, not talk about these topics. And then she said her silence didn't help address any of these problems. So she is a part of the problem. The fact that she knows what her message means and that her privilege allows her to be a part of a solution, not a problem. And she needs to address it was another positive sign that, hey, we have local athletes here who get it that get what's going on and that it's not just a problem in Minnesota or problem for black people, that a problem for a black person is a problem for all people in the United States. Absolutely. I think I really applaud Bill Hamid, especially being vocal about this issue. And also I like the fact that a lot of other people are saying, Hey, help these uh, certain organizations that help out, that help out the community because they're gonna, they need the help. I mean, they go out there every day and try, try to better their community. Why not? Why not bring awareness to these issues as well? And also, when it comes to with journal with journalists, I'm a freelancer, so I kind of understand the privilege as well of being out past the curfew uh, during the curfews. But the way that some police officers have targeted journalists during these protests is kind of is kind of messed up like you're you're targeting a person for just doing their job and that doing their job bringing information to people to the people that want to be informed and that's also not right right at all is it time to talk about carly lloyd um you know what let's do it let's go into this car carly lloyd so carly lloyd tried to equate what was going on as the overall discussion about racism around the world. And I'll explain why in our soccer bubble, we understood what Carly meant. You know, she put up a post that was uh, FIFA's hands of all colors, holding hands and said, you know, no racism in America. We need to end racism. A lot of people were not happy with that response, mainly because it solved the topic as only about racism, but not about, you know, the power of the police, uh, discrimination against black people specifically. And Carly is known to have a quick fire response. She's known to have a very small temper. <laughs> and she quit, said, quote, do not come at me saying I'm a racist. I have friends who are of all different races. Do not call my white privileged 
Don't call me white privilege because I didn't tweet on an approved timeline or say what you want. I treat people equally regards of their color. I'm signing off. Enough is enough. Mm. 24 hours later, this tweet and the original tweet were deleted. And people were comparing her message with uh, her teammate, Alex Morgan, who said, you know, I'm against this. All black lives matter. I, how and She actually used the word police. Uh, said I was against the police's actions and other police uh, actions towards black people. You know, <laughs> I just think Cardi Lloyd. Why you give your thoughts before I go? <laughs> uh, so Cardi Lloyd stepped on a landmine here by doing all that on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, me we both understand what Car- where Cardi Lloyd was coming from. It, it was just a bad tweet, all, 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 all in all. I'll go out and say it. it. It was a bad tweet. It was a mistimed tweet. It, it wasn't the best response. I think what she should have done after deleting those tweets was, it comes to real life, uh, think before you speak. Maybe you should you should have thought about the tweet and how it came off before, set, before pressing uh, send or before pressing tweet, but... You know, it it was a bad look. It was a bad look in her part. She well, explain she, how it's she, a bad look. Explain how it's a bad look. Oh man! Uh, so she used the magic words. I have friends of different backgrounds, and it's and it's all it is synonymous. It's I synonymous with friend. those people. <laughs> have a, yeah, I have a black friend. I have black friends, like. And unfortunately, those words are synonymous with those people that go against Black Lives Matter by saying all lives matter. So the optics there in general are really, really bad. And also, I think one of the reasons why there's backlash is she never, like you said, she never brought up the topic about police having so much power in this country. And she didn't talk about the injustices that African-Americans face in this country in the hands of the police. So I see where people are really, really outraged with her. You know, we have these discussions about people messing up on Twitter, trying to say something, and it comes out differently than attended. One, the written word, unless you specifically give it context, does not provide context on what you're trying to say. Also, one of the other things is it could be worse. It could be what Madonna did on her Twitter, where she had her son dance to a Michael Jackson song and say this is for George Floyd. That wasn't the time or place for you to do that. You know, a lot of people messed up. You had that situation. You have David Gutta uh, out here remixing a <laughs> Martin Luther <laughs> King. If you haven't seen that, funny enough, MLS sponsored this. I don't think they knew it was going to happen. It was a David Gutta concert at the top of uh, one of these uh, large towers in new york and originally it was supposed to raise money for covid um it ended up becoming more than that because <laughs> david got a remix uh he had a george floyd uh, justice for floyd uh, armband he spoke about it that apparently it touched him and so it touched him so much, he had to remix the Martin Luther King I Had a Dream speech with uh, dubstep music. But I digress. Um, but yeah, sometimes if you don't say your thoughts clearly, it could be misconstrued, especially on Twitter. 
That's why a lot of people put the notes app and they just put out their statement. Don Garber said, waited until today to talk about it because he could, he knew he was going to be in front of the media. People record it. He didn't want to just put out some press release nonsense and I'll give him credit for that. And the people who put the notes app, like I'll give them credit for that. Even these teams, they they put long statements and they even enlarged their imaging. But Twitter's limited in character. And you're not providing real content and what you're trying to say on Twitter unless you go all the way with a notes app or you do a video or you do a lot of other things. And Carly, she meant well. She ultimately was trying to say she is not in favor of this injustice and... She does you know, she feels that people should all be treated fairly. However, it comes off, especially when you add the racism tagline from FIFA, it comes off contrivant. You and I have seen the multiple World Cups where they try to have these players speak before the game. I believe that racism should end. I believe that racism in my country should end. Sport racism does not belong in our sport. FIFA and all its partners would like to end racism. You hear that every World Cup. And so it comes off sounding like that. The I have black friends uh, line doesn't come off well either. It just doesn't come off well. And then she's, very, she's very she's very quick tempered. And I we know this from her book and she and her interviews when promoting that book and when she explained yeah i'm quick tempered (laughs) and so i'm not surprised that she responded that way hopefully she's able to address what she really meant but the she messed up she messed up she needs to own up that fact yeah i mean that's at the end of the day she does have to own up to it because she did mess up she she took a page from fifa at from fifa uh, stop rate the stop rate for stop racism and it didn't come out so well. It, it it sounded like it sounded it sounded like it was written for. Her. It didn't seem sincere. I, I think that's the main reason why why so much backlash for her on tip on Twitter. And again, also doesn't help that she's quick, that she was quick tempered about it too. Exactly. Um, just real quick, we'll hit on this real quick. So a couple of days ago, the Spirit drew for the Challengers Cup. They drew the number two slot. In the so they play in the tournament, they'll play four teams. They're set to play Utah on the 30th, and then you can go look up the calendar yourself. But it's we'll address each team individually as we get closer to each game. But it's uh, they're playing Utah, the rain, Portland, and Houston Dash. All games will be shown on CBS and CBS affiliated networks. Uh, quick thoughts, Mario, on the draw and any game you're excited to see. I was intrigued to see that they were drawn against the uh, the host team of this tournament. They that they were drawn against Utah. I think that should be interesting. It's a good starting point for them in this tournament. I also love the fact that they're playing Portland and the Rain, which have been two of the um, two of the mo- two of the most premier teams in the league. As well as you get a 2016 finals rematch against the Houston Dash. Forgot about that Dash rematch. But personally for me, I'm excited to see them play against the Rain. 
it felt like a good back and forth game. The both both games they played last year was back and forth, but I really really enjoyed the the Audi Field game just because the Rain still had a ch- were out of a playoff spot then trying to back play back in. The Spirit were battling back after a long winless drought, and it was just an interesting fun game. Plus the Rain out of them and the Spirit talk about a reload. The Spirit reloaded, but. The names jump off the page. You have Sofia Huerta um, moving from Houston over to the rain. You already have Megan Rapino and Ali Long um, from the U.S. national team there. You also added uh, Adrian Jordan, an American who's been playing over in England for a long for a while. She's coming in the rain. Um, they also added a Japanese international uh, striker as well, and also. Uh, Shirley Cruz, who's been a, a known name in the women's soccer community, from Costa, who played for the Costa Rican national team. Uh, so they are reloaded. They're restocked. They are scary in the fact that now Leon owns them, and they want to destroy NWSL and become champions like they do in France. That team is just reloaded, and I want to see how the Spirit's youth and defense can handle all that. Yeah, I think that's the most interesting game on in this list is the uh, rain game. Again, it's going to be young firepower in with the Spirit with Roosevelt if she decides to play. Andy she's Sullivan. back in training. She's uh, back in training. She the, the photo. All right, so now we're she's in training. All right, perfect. So we're now cooking with Crisco, as they say. Um. <laughs> So you get Rose Laval, you have Andy Sullivan, you have a highly touted draft pick in Ashley Sanchez with the with the spirit. And you're going against this well-established firepower team in, in the rain in Seattle with Megan Rapido, with Allie Log, with Shirley Cruz, who's one of the most known female soccer players to ever come out of Costa Rica, 78 caps. Uh She's had 78 caps for the Costa Rica national team, scored 24 goals, and has played in two World Cups for them. Uh, they got also Yuka, Mom- Yuka Mom- Momiki. Uh, if, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. That Sounds she cool. Interesting, <laughs> interesting uh, with her story is she was born in the United States. She's from New York City, but she played, she developed in Japan. So... That and decided to represent the Japanese national team. How this would fit, how this is going to fare for the Spirit, who knows? If it's anything from their game last season, I think the Spirit will fare well against uh, against the rain. I'm interested in the Utah game. Both teams will be the first games back, uh, and it will be a test to see how Kristen Press, who had an amazing career season last year, uh, goes against you know Aubrey Belletta, who's coming off her own career year being named goalkeeper of the year. But, uh, yeah, uh, it should be fun. Uh, do you have anything else you would like to add, Mario, before we head out? Uh, no, other than I'm actually looking forward to all of these games and I'm looking forward to this tournament. Definitely, definitely. So you can always uh, reach out to us and um, via Twitter. You can reach out to me at Jose underscore M underscore Umana. And uh, if you want to learn more information about the podcast, Mario, tell people where they can find you. 
All right. So you can find me on Twitter as well, at MarioMaya1. Uh, you can find my stories on El Tiempo Latino. You can follow them on Twitter at El Tiempo Latino. Check out their stories online at eltiempolatino.com. Or if you want a physical newspaper, you can find them at, at you can get them for free at every newspaper stand located across from a metro station. Special shout out as always to Kevin McLeod and in Incompetech for the intro music. Remember, please rate and subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, and all your audio platforms. And always reach out if you have any suggestions, comments, or more. As we get closer to game time here in the States, uh, we'll be looking to make reviews and and comment on the actual matches. So, But until then, if you still have some suggestions, we're looking open to taking them and including them on the show. Mario, thank you so much uh, for being a part of this week's podcast. And thank you to all you listeners for tuning in. Talk to you soon. Adios.